This is a show with no particular niche, baby. It's always about hanging out. Maybe we'll laugh at some stuff. Maybe we'll learn something new. But it's always about hanging out, me and you. Hi, hello, and welcome back, or perhaps for the first time, to That Thing with James, a podcast about nothing in particular. Yes, it's true. This show much like uh, the uh, adopted tagline for the old television series Seinfeld, is about nothing. Really, it's it's nothing. I don't have anything scripted. I've just got a general idea. This seemed like a good idea when it occurred to me yesterday. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know if it's going to flop. It was just a general idea of cartoons, of what I'm going to talk about today, uh, uh, cartoons, and how they can inform uh, visual storytelling for live action. And I've got, like, one example I usually go to is a particular movie that I will mention down the line. I, yeah, I, I don't have any notes. I don't have any script. I don't have any guests. It's just me. If you're watching this, holy shit, I can't believe it. If you're listening to it, wow. Wow, I can't believe you're listening to it. I can't believe I'm still doing this show, but here I am. I'm still doing this. I don't know why. I don't know why. I just I keep doing it, and I've tried to not do it, and that didn't feel good. So I just got to go with whatever feels good, even if it feels like, why the hell am I going this way? So here I am, wondering why the hell I'm here, and why I'm even... <laughs> going to talk about cartoons informing visual live action storytelling. Uh, but first, let's uh, get some business out of the way, because that may help me dip my toes into this podcasting water. Um, I have a whole bunch of bonus episodes, uh, which will help like complete the, the Grandpa series that I somewhat recently finished doing. It's a very interesting uh, story. It's a true story. Um, it was like 20, 20 parts, 21 parts, I think. You can get all of it if you help support the show at patreon.com slash that thing with James. Uh, support the show and you will get access to all bonus episodes and all other bonus content for uh, the other video series I had been doing until like the past few months, which I talked about a couple episodes ago, where it's just been very unpredictably uh, chaotic, uh, lots of emergent, emergent things that needed tending to immediately. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm just trying to get back into my, get what, once again, trying to get back into the mojo, back into the flow of things. Um, and so I, I haven't recorded any new, uh, what, what was the comedy series I was doing? What the fuck was it called? Minor Tensions by Dick Whistler. I haven't recorded a new one of those and a hot minute. Um, but what I have been doing is uh, trying to, you know, hone in on a blurb for a book and also finish up a script for a short film. If it ever gets filmed, I don't know. All I know is I gave someone my word that I was writing a short film script 
And, uh, well, it's closing in on the end, finally. And it would have been done months ago, perhaps, perhaps, uh, had it not been for so many emergencies. Endless, endless emergencies. Well, here we are. It's almost Thanksgiving. Let's see. Oh, this episode comes out the day after Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. What did you eat? Tell me in the comments or whatever. Uh, um, oh, yeah. Uh, before I forget. Yeah. Support the show. Get access to bonus stuff. Patreon.com slash that thing with James. Um, uh, the, the audio listeners, this show's on YouTube. My channel is That Thing with James. Just search it and it'll show up. And you can write in the comments of this episode telling me what you had to eat. And hell, that would give me something to talk about here on the show. Uh, another way to contact me is through my show email, thatthingwithjames at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at James J. Asher. And you can all, uh, another place you can find me is TikTok. And I'm thinking about just closing down this other account that I created and just consolidating it into my one. But the current, as of right now, my TikTok handle is, um, TTWJ Productions, and I have a subreddit, r slash that thing with James. You can share with me the Polish memes of Bober, Bober Kurwa, Kurwa Bober. That's Polish for, oh fuck, a beaver. Bober is beaver or a beaver. Bober, B O B R, is how it's spelled in English, I guess. And then Kurwa, K U R W A. Gurva is a sort of an uh, expletive exclamatory. So like, oh fuck, oh shit, oh damn, oh hell. Gurva, Gurva, Bobber. That's a meme I recently learned about, which is uh, fun. I like it. You can find it somewhere online. I, I think it's been around in Poland for a minute now. Uh, so yeah, all that business is done. So, all right. All right, here's here's the thing. How did I get to thinking about this? And I've thought about this before. Cartoons uh, informing visual storytelling and maybe how you can find inspiration. If you are into filming things, you can find inspiration in cartoons. Now, I, I love cartoons. I've always watched cartoons. I've never stopped watching cartoons. Um... I, it, 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 let's see, where do I go? Where do, where do I go? Let's try to follow my train of thought to how I arrived here. Okay. I recently started re-watching, and I probably watch it like once a year probably, Death Note. I love Death Note. And I'm almost done with the series, and then I looked up another show. I, I was like searching... If, uh, if you like Death Note, then you will like this other anime, because I was looking for something similar. Uh, and one of the highly recommended ones is um, Code Geass. I think it's Geass, G-E-A-S-S. -S. Code uh, Geass was highly recommended, and I'm three episodes in, Um now, that show released in the U.S. around, like, 06, something like that, 2006. So 
the animation, like the character design is very sort of of that time. It's like uh, kind of not quite as extreme, but kind of like um, Yu-Gi-Oh character designs, which is, you know, it is what it is. Not my favorite kind of character design, but, you know, it, it is what it is. But the story so far... There's some really out-of-pocket comments here and there that I really didn't expect. Um, the way exposition is approached is very just sort of, uh, it's like a afterthought. They just like stuff in random shit and it's like, okay, I, I guess you have to, you know, take it in stride because I can see uh, the makings of what hopefully will be a good story building up, a good narrative, lots of moral gray ground going on. Um, and I, I guess in that aspect, I can see why, I, why it would be recommended of like, if you like Death Note, then you will like this. Death Note, I just, I love, I love. Uh, I've heard people say, and I've tried it, I've tried it. It didn't work out for me, but if you want to get someone into anime, a good one to start with would be Death Note. Um, one of the reasons I love that cartoon is, or that anime, it's a cartoon, is uh, it's so smart. It, it's kind of, uh, it, it's silly. It's goofy how overdramatic it is. Like there's a meme of uh, how dramatic uh, Light Yagami does his homework and eats potato chips. There's this whole scene and it's super intense of him just eating potato chips. But narratively, it works because there's a whole other thing going on here. He's eating potato chips and quote unquote doing his homework because he's trying to hide the fact that he's actually killing a bunch of people actively with this uh, notebook where if you haven't seen the show, if you're not familiar, the Death Note is this death notebook. That It's a notebook that uh, these various gods of death, they're called Shinigami. These gods of death have a death notebook. And if you write a person's name into it and you keep in mind the person's face, if you write in their real name and keep in mind their face, that person will die. Um, if you don't write how they die, I think they just automatically die of heart failure within three minutes, some, about three minutes or so. Um, but you can also adjust. You can write down timing. You can write down behavior, cause of death, that sort of stuff. So you can kind of control elements a bit and maybe even control behavior a little bit with this Death Note. Now, in the cartoon, Light Yagami gets his hands on one of these Death Notes. I won't say how. I won't want to give everything away. But, um, and I'm not going to get into his entire motive and everything because that's part of the fun. But um, uh, a big part of the fun is just there's this whole, at least for the first two-thirds of the series, and it's not a long show. There's only like, 37 episodes or something for the first two thirds. Basically there's this whole cat and mouse game between these two extremely intelligent and competent characters and oh, hubris 
ends up becoming a problem for one of them, but it doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, stop them right away. You know, usually your fall comes from hubris, but the, the fall doesn't come from hubris when you think it will. You know, there's a lot of, what, what does that sound? There's a lot of, um, you know, uh, subverting expectation going on. But, you know, I'm watching this, I'm loving it, and oh, let's see, where, where do I go? Where am I going here? Cartoons informing live-action visual storytelling. Okay, so this is a thought. Hard jump here, hard jump. You know, I'm getting jumbled. Let me let me take a drink of water and gather my thoughts real quick, and I'll I'll try to reel this all together somehow. I don't know how, but I'm going to try. That's part of the fun of this podcast is uh, me taking water, water breaks. Just a second. All right, here we go. Every art form has limitations. Those limitations vary depending on the mode of expression. Uh the mode of uh, communication. So for painting, just explicit painting. Let's not get too out in the weeds with this, but just flat out painting. Let's keep it simple. For painting, you paint on, say, a canvas of some sort, and that canvas has its borders. And you try to fill those borders with lines, points, shapes and colors to create some sort of uh, stimulus, some sort of visual and maybe even tactile stimulus because you can look at something if you, if you are blessed with sight. Uh, you can look at something and without even necessarily touching it, just because hopefully you're also blessed with the sense of touch with feeling physical feeling you can look at something and just sort of guess what it feels like so you can look at the texture of the canvas be it actual canvas or cardboard or a brick wall and you can look at if you get close enough uh the the peaks and valleys of uh, the paint, let's say it's uh, some kind of paint being used. If it's being absorbed into like paper, that would be watercolor. Or if you're working with oil or um, vinyl paint, it will have peaks and valleys. It will have a certain texture you can see from the brush strokes, pressure applied, direction, speed of the brush or whatever instrument is used to apply the paint or ink. It creates a certain texture. And that texture itself informs how light plays off the color or shapes or whatever. But there are limitations. So uh, a painting can speak to you, but perhaps not audibly. And again, we're not getting too far out in the weeds here. We're not going to talk about synesthesia. Um where, you know, you can hear colors and that sort of thing. Uh, just keeping it, trying to keep it simple here. Um, so with the painting, you use a limited set of things. 
the paint itself isn't moving around. It's not making a sound itself uh, other than sounds bouncing off of it from the surrounding environment. Uh, yet, whatever the artist does within the confines of the frame on the canvas uh, designs uh, is designed in some way, consciously or not, or, or just by, you know, luck, by happy accident, uh, elicits an emotional response in the audience, in the viewer. And the same goes for any art form, written, heard, uh, felt, perceived in some way, art creates, uh, elicits an emotional response. You can break it down intellectually afterwards, or perhaps even during, but the initial thing you get is a sensation, a direct sensation, which then affects emotion, which then informs uh, intellectual analysis, okay? Now, what does this have to do with cartoons helping to inform uh, visual, say, video or filmed cinematic storytelling in the live action sense, whether you're filming on celluloid or digital camera, okay? Um, cartoons are limited in a certain way, yet they can also express things that would be difficult or depending on resources being technology and or money available to produce certain effects on the screen and with the sound, more so on the screen, we're talking visual here, really. Um, live action has its limits um, until you get into, say, like CGI sort of stuff, but then that's sort of crossing the boundary into animation, okay? Animation um, is able to express things that perhaps could uh, visually express things that um, often can only, you know, historically could only be expressed with like just painting or with words written or spoken. Um, a head exploding. You know, you look at a movie from the 40s or something like that, or the 50s, uh, a, a head exploding would have been a difficult effect to pull off uh, live action. You know, you could get props. Hey, puppy. You can get props to design, props and costumes to design some kind of head that would explode, but it might kind of look like shit and you get the camera just sort of static in a certain way. And it doesn't really express the uh, kind of um, 
expression that you really want to communicate because you're limited by the resources you have, technology, money, uh, people, whatever the case may be. Cartoons are excellent because there's not really limits. You're not limited to what a human body can do, um, you know, even outside of like a head exploding. You're not really limited to what a human body can do and what a camera can or cannot do, um, depending on limited technology. So for a long time, cartoons were able to be a lot more, say, uh, expressionist uh, than what could be achieved with just, you know, a camera and some people and a set. Um, and, you know, German expressionist films and stuff really tried to attempt certain thing. Old, like, Dada, D-A-D-A, uh, -D -A, old Dada films from the 20s, I think, 20s and 30s, also tried to express stuff um, that prior to would be more easily expressed through animation. So, where, uh, so for example, um, going back to the uh, scene I was talking about a bit ago in Death Note, where Light Yagami, the the main character, uh, is doing his homework and eating a bag of potato chips. And it gets really intense. The music is sweeping. The camera swoops in on everything. And it's just a guy eating a potato chip. But it is so dramatic. So dramatic. Uh, and it's really expressing not that... Uh, hold on. Dog's trying to jump down. And I got stuff in his way. There you go. It's really trying to express... Uh, the intensity of what's going on. The fact that Light is, sure, he's doing his homework and eating potato chips, but he's also actively killing a lot of people while doing that stuff. Cause, are you trying to jump down? Go ahead. Go ahead. There you go. Um, you know, flying off into space or... <sighs> fuck am I doing? Seeing a clock uh, become, you know, grow a face and move off or the camera swoop in on something. I don't know. Cartoons can uh, achieve a certain uh, feeling that's pretty difficult with live action stuff, but it's not impossible. And it's changing with technology and CGI and everything like that. Uh, but what's a, what's a good example here? What's a good example? I don't, I don't know if I'm doing any good, if I'm making any sense on this. I'm completely alone. I wish I had someone else to help me around with this stuff, but it's just me. It's me. You got to work with what you have. Limits, limits of expression here, limits of mode here. Um, a good example I like to think of, one that always comes to mind is <sighs> Scorsese is amazing at expression through uh, visual communication of camera and the lady, I can I, I never remember her name, but he works with this editor, 
Uh, he's worked with this woman for decades now, I believe. But it, it's this one woman he works with who edits his films, and he sits there, and they work it out together. Um, but Scorsese, Martin Scorsese, always does a great job of expressing and eliciting certain emotions uh, certain feelings just with the camera that you don't get with your usual static talking head, chop, talking head, talking head, talking head. My favorite example that I always think of for what I'm trying to talk about here is uh, The Departed. The Departed. It is, oh, can you hear Cosmo drinking water? Oh, fuck. I have to wait for him to stop. Hold on. I'm not taking you out. I'm in the middle of a fucking podcast. I'm not taking you out. As I was trying to say, The Departed is uh, the most apt example I always think of when I think about this. And I've been thinking about this for years. Um, the way the camera is, oh, I forget, it's like hyper-expressionist kind of a thing. Um, because when the story is amping up, there's a lot of tension and speed and urgency going on. And there's only so much you can do like on a camera, like just as an actor, only so much you can do with like just the sound, like with the music, like anytime the Joker appears in, in uh, um, the Dark Knight movie, was it The Dark Knight? I think it was. Uh, Heath Ledger's The Joker. Anytime it's this really slow, dissonant, uh, you know, draw on the violin that creates this dissonant, tense sound with the uh, the audio. That's to elicit uh, a, an emotional response that you want the audience to have um, that you're trying to express the characters are feeling in the presence of the Joker of like, this is wrong. Something is wrong. I'm in danger right now. Um, the sound of the violin is to cause that tension with the audience, which then amps up the, you know, late Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker. But in terms of just visuals, in terms of camera, um, Scorsese is a fucking master at directing this sort of stuff. And I know he, he plots it all out. Like he, I, um, I've seen read interviews with him and shit when he talks about this stuff, like he has it pictured in his mind. Um, I don't know if he's a fan of cartoons or not. I wouldn't be surprised if he is. Oh my God. Cosmo, do you want to go to bed? Where the fuck was I? I, I hate putting the dog in the cage while I do this. But I also can't really do this if he gets up. Catch-22. This is part of what I'm fucking talking about. I can't do a goddamn thing. Anyway, <clears throat> limits. Limits. You got to work with what you have. <sighs> In The Departed, there's a lot of intensity going on. A lot of urgency going on. And that is expressed with the camera work. There is a visual language happening. He puts X's. That's used a lot. I think he got that from um, old noir films from the like 40s or something. 
uh, if someone is about to die, you will see an X on them in the departed. And it's usually some kind of shadow forming an X or maybe some kind of architecture somewhere will be an X around that person. I don't know if you knew this. I don't know if you've even seen the film. Um, but when someone is about to die, there is an X on them or near them on the screen. That's a way of visual storytelling that sort of subliminally or subtly suggests that something's about to happen that you may not pick up on immediately or you may pick up on subsequent things or it may just inform you on a, a unconscious level somehow. Um, but he does a lot of uh, the camera and the padded does a lot of like sweeping in. Like I know there's this scene between um, uh, Baldwin and I think Maki Mak uh, and maybe another character and they're having this back and forth and uh, you could do, and a lot of, uh, a lot of productions still just do this where it's like talking head on the screen, another talking head on the screen, another talking head on the screen. You could do that. Or you could place the camera in such a way there where like if someone is dominating a conversation, you angle the camera so that the person dominating the conversation it appears higher up in the screen or perhaps larger than the other person who's, say, losing the argument. But in The Departed, it doesn't just do that. It's these people trying to make a fucking point in the conversation. It's these Boston guys trying to make a point in the conversation. And instead of the camera just being like planted flat, it swoops in on them. Swoop in. I got something to say. Whoosh. Swoop in. I got something to say. It's very kind of cartoony the way the camera moves around. It's a lot of... Uh, hyperactive, a lot of movement, and a lot of stimulus. And it's not just like shaking the camera. That's a really cheap way, I feel. It's just a really cheap way uh, um, to create the illusion of action and intensity is just shaking the camera. You see that in a lot of like uh, other stuff when there's a fight a war or something or a horror movie, just a lot of shaking the camera or even, even those like mockumentary type shows like the office with the, the zoom in on the face, the camera, it, it just like over exaggerates this handheld camera zoom in on the face kind of a thing. Um, I never liked that from the beginning when that was like a newer sort of a uh, trend I thought that was just sort of uh, cheap and, and lazy, really. Personally, that's just my personal thing. Um, but with like The Departed, it's very intentional. Uh, it's very sort of a mathematical approach uh, to create this very expressive uh, effect that you used to not be able to do with cameras when they weighed 300 pounds or so and had to be planted and you couldn't really do that um so with the departed you get a lot of that stuff of like the camera is placed up under a clock like if someone is you know running out of time or something 
it, it like kind of swoops in on their forehead, looking at them on a downward angle. And then you look up at the clock and the clock is fucking huge on the screen. Um, I feel that's like a very cartoony, cartoonish sort of approach. And I don't mean cartoonish in any sort of like a, a derogatory, deriding sort of a way. I say that as like a uh, a charm, a compliment, because cartoons for a long time have been able to to do that. With you know animation, you're able to draw stuff that's very difficult to do, or perhaps you might not even think of initially if you just have a camera and real people and a real setting. Um, so if you're into filming stuff and uh, and if you want to get a really good idea of like. Uh, a direction, like how to direct um, very expressively, I say, watch a lot of cartoons, break it down. Because these are people who are working with just a blank screen, a blank page, and they are drawing a series of images that uh, become expressive. It's just 2D images flat 2D lines uh, that are presented uh, in in such a way, you know, progressively presented in a way so that the the flat static image seems to come to life and has movement and it has a certain sort of direction. There's a sort of uh, heightened expression happening um, to get say, like a talking bird uh, to elicit the same kind of emotion you would get from, say, like the um, illusion of a death of a baby on screen with, like, real people. <sighs> you know, I could... I, I could do this like other, other podcasts, other quote-unquote creators, content creators... I could write a script for this show, get better cameras, a better lighting setup, a better set, um, but I have limited resources, and that includes time. I don't have time to sit down and, you know, script out this fucking show like that. And it's just not how I roll in this particular medium. So I don't know if I've done a good job. I rambled a lot. I don't know if I made any goddamn sense at all, um, but I can tell you what will make sense is the script that I'm working on. I'm going to read it in the bonus episode because I'm done. I'm done with this episode. I, I went off the rails. I don't know how this went at all, at all. But um, yeah, if you're if you're into filming stuff, if you're into the uh, um, you know, live action, art of visual storytelling, watch cartoons. You know, if you're looking for some kind of inspiration, some kind of uh, new information to help you inform how you can express stuff, look to cartoons. I think you'll find a wealth of inspiration in them, especially in anime. Uh, but yeah, on this week's bonus episode, I'm going to be uh, 
reading from what I have of my script thus far. If you want to check it out, help support the show at patreon.com slash that thing with James. Otherwise, thanks. Thanks for tuning in. I feel very poorly about this episode, but here it is. Thanks for tuning in. And I hope to catch you next time. Bye.